Hello there. It's Friday. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Hi, Greg. Feeling a little better about being inside now as I look out the window as it's clouding over. I wasn't happy about it at about 8 o'clock this morning. Gorgeous morning. Yeah. Sensational, really. Going to be nice tomorrow? Who knows? Let's yeah. not talk about the weather, except when we update you on the weather four times every hour. Okay, that Including sounds like Including cottage a country weather? Yes, cottage country. That's right. It's our favorite thing. That's our favorite thing we around here. We love cottage country weather because mm-hmm. that means it's summertime, right? That's, that, that's right. Yes, positive. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> that's a change of tone from about two hours ago. Uh, a little bit behind the curtain, behind the veil here. Uh, cottage country weather. It means it's one more thing that people like Brett in particular on the weekend when he's doing news. is just one more thing added to the list that is already endless of things to do. But, uh, you know, we will uh, do what we need to do to keep you informed around the cottage country weather. What do you want to talk about? Well... We have a checklist here of potential items. We do. Plinko. Did you ever watch Price is Right? Of course. Do you like the Price is Right? Yeah. Some dude won $31,500 on Plinko. Really? Yep. What's... Here comes tip number one. 10000 in the middle. 10000 in the middle. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. his first $10,000 chip. Same spot. Bucks, that's not bad. <laughs> Very excited. You're not supposed to chant your own name. Drops it right on the end. Good luck. Drew Carey, so calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> a man named Ryan broke the former Plinko record on the Price is Right on Thursday. Ryan landed $10,000 with its first drop, and he couldn't believe it. With his second, he won another thousand. Third, gained him 10000 more. Then he landed 500 with his fourth chip, and his fifth and final chip won him another $10,000, as you heard Ryan's reaction. Priceless, Drew Carey informed him that he achieved the record for the highest win on Plinko, and the former record was 30500 so he beat it by a grand. I'm just watching the video without the sound here. This guy is, he is so enthusiastic. He's fairly animated. That he came on stage, he's gone, looks like he's going to pass out every single time. Well, you know, the interpretation has always been, and I mean... Price has right been on the air, what, almost 40 years now. So I think just about everyone knows somebody that has been to a recording of The Price is Right. Yep. And I think for a long time we figured it was a random draw. It is not a random draw of who gets to go up into contestants row. Okay. They interview you and their producers. They're looking for people that express themselves or animated, and uh, it works to have a Group of you together with those T-shirts, those goofy T-shirts that pay homage to either Bob Barker, now Drew Carey, who looks fantastic, by the way. Yes. And then you're selected uh, based on that. And then the games begin, right? Uh, But uh, this guy was, it was obvious that, uh, is it Ryan? Was uh, very much fit for the stage. But it got me thinking about your favorite Price is Right games, because I always 
dreamed of being on the Price is Right, you know, when I was little, for sure, right? That was the game show to watch when you were sick or if you, you know, had a self-imposed day off from school. You would enjoy the uh, Price is Right before getting into the soap operas in the afternoon. I always wanted to do the golf one. Yeah. I thought the golf one was good and the uh, mountaineer one. I the always, yo- with the yodeling mountaineer guy oh, that goes that, up the thing. That, that's right. <laughs> do they still do that? I don't know. I've watched this show in in uh, forever, but uh, that was those were my two favorites. <laughs> I always liked the wheel. I always wanted to spin that stupid wheel and see if I could break it. I don't know why. I just I was wondering, like how how hard is it to yeah to pull it down? Oh, I'm actually, and I watched a video. A contestant did break the wheel somehow. Really? I don't know if he punched it or what he did. But yeah, I always wanted to just spin that wheel. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted. That's the one, the big thing on Prices Right. I always wanted to try was the wheel. Two zero four seven eight zero six eight six eight. Your your favorite Prices Right game, the one that you always wanted to play, or maybe you had the opportunity to go to Southern California and get in the studio. I know a handful of people who've had the experience. I don't know anyone that made it up on stage or won any prizing, but I certainly know more than a handful of people who have been down to uh, SoCal to to check out a recording. And if Price is Right isn't your favorite game show, what is or what was your your favorite game show? 204-780-6868. We've got a jam-packed show, and we've just got a few minutes here to shoot the breeze on something easy going on this Friday afternoon. I am trying to recall, was it win, lose, or draw? Do you remember that? I do. I enjoyed that. I used to watch all sorts of game shows now that I think about it when I was a kid. Although I never, everybody liked Supermarket Sweep. Is that what it was called? Supermarket Sweep? I never got into that. Yeah, it's a horrible production. I also remember Kids Street, I think is what it was called. So this was, uh, do you remember that, Forte? Kids Street, does that ring any bells in Master Control? Okay, never mind then. W- was that a game show, Kids Street? I think so. I think it was kind of a, it was a kid, yeah, it was a kids game show, Canadian kids game show that it ran from, looks like 1986 to 1992. And the kids would sit in these, go like, go-karts. That was their their sort of podium. They would sit in these go-karts and you do the kid street clap. Oh, yeah. Where you hold your hands above your head. Yes. And you, you clap above your head so your hands are pointing skyward. Yeah. I do remember that somewhat now. I've got uh, younger siblings, so... Uh, my my t- <laughs> my TV uh, knowledge is is vast. How about this one? This is Game TV. This was a, a Canadian TV show. In just a few moments, two lucky couples will start on the road to thousands of dollars in cash and prizes on the Mad Dash. The Mad Dash, which was just terrible television. But often found myself watching it. No, I don't remember that at all. all. Right. Sorry. Mad Dash not doing it for you. I like the music. And the, the video looks sort of psychedelic. How are ya? Nice to see you all. Had great hair, Pierre Lalonde. Do you also, in this one, I think this was also geared, uh, geared towards kids. It was called Double Dare. It was in the 80s, 19, looks like it only ran for 1986 to the early 90s. It was a Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. And I seem to remember there being a lot of slime involved. You Green got it. slime. Yeah, that was that. fun. So, yep, yeah, 204-780-6868. Game shows. 
that you like. Have you ever been on a game show? Here are a couple of texts. One says the gong show was the best. Yeah, the gong show was outstanding. You had to have at least some talent to get on that program. It wasn't really a random one. Card Sharks with Jim Perry. Remember Jim Perry did, oh no, you're not. Do you remember Definition? That other Canadian game show, Ooh, Definition? That a bell. And then Jim Perry left Toronto to go to California and he hosted Card Sharks. And then what was Press Your Luck with the no whammies, big bucks, big bucks, no whammies, oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I remember that. Press Your Luck. No whammies. Okay. Yep. Um, the Shell Game? Oh yeah, the Shell Game, that was on. Of course, the price is right. In the shell game, there was a trick to it. When he shuffles the shells, the first shell he touched was always the one that it was under. I like that pyramid game show as well. That from Steve. Yeah, the pyramid, the $20,000 pyramid. That was fun. It was like, um, not charades, but uh, what's that one where you kind of, I have to give you clues without saying the word. Oh, uh, this is a game show where they sit facing one another and I can't tell you the name of the game show, but you have to guess it. $20,000 pyramid. Yes. 25. Next. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I want to, I want to see if this is. Please. No way. Stay away. Please. This is for us, sweetie. Stop. Stop. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And then they get the little cartoon guys, the, little the cartoon whammies. devils, the little whammies. They were great. <laughs> you didn't want to see the whammies as a contestant, but you got to admit that as a viewer, you loved seeing the whammies because they were kind of funny because yeah, they the changed every the single part. Bumper stumpers. Liars Club. Boy, these are some real Canadian game shows we're getting here from uh, viewers. 204-780-6868. Your calls, your texts on game shows Inspired by this conversation about a contestant named Ryan on The Price is Right who scored $31,000 playing Plinko. It is time to have a look at your forecast in a moment. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, we're talking about game shows and the reason why we're talking about it is this guy Ryan loses his mind on The Price is Right after he wins $31,000 playing Plinko. He landed three of his chips on $10,000 and one of them, the fourth chip, on $1,000. And we're getting all sorts of text messages about game shows. And one of the texts, what about the classic Canadian TV game show called Definition? That theme song was made into a rap song. And I'm just going to pull up. Oh, of course, there's an ad. Go away, Amazon Prime. I don't care about you right now. I'm going to skip that. Thank you. Remember this? This Canadian rapper did this? Well, so the song, I mean, you may also know it from Austin Powers. It's called uh, Soul Bossa Nova, and it was made into a rap song by a group called the Dream Warriors. Yeah, of course. And the song was My Definition of a Boombastic Jazz Style. Boombastic Jazz Style. Are you ready for one Definition. <laughs> Definition. Uh, so thank you for that memory. We appreciate that. And uh, what's Liars Club? Liars Club, that was done, I think, out of Vancouver. It was 
kind of like Balderdash, where there was one person, I think they had to make up who they were, and you had to kind of sniff them out like a detective, almost like front page challenge, but in reverse, where you were trying to decide whether or not this person was who they said they were. Okay. And I think, who's the guy that played Jay Peterman on Seinfeld? Oh. Uh, he was constantly uh, one of the celebrities on this game show on the Liars Club. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but uh, Jay Peterman, that's really... Good enough. I think he's usually been here with the HSC Human Race. You're right. Yeah. You're so, right. So we should probably find out his name. We might... We might meet him in September. I want to play another piece of music here just because it's uh, related. Okay. The song is... Hang on. I'm just going to try to find the chorus. The song is called I Lost on Jeopardy by Weird Al Yankovic. And the reason why playing this is someone texted us saying, Haven't been in a game show yet, but my entire retirement income plan depends on getting on Jeopardy. <laughs> I would suggest if you're smart enough to get on Jeopardy, you'd be smarter than that in terms of creating your retirement plan. Just suggesting, caller and listener, uh, we'll keep your name out of this. If you do make it to Jeopardy, just make sure that you don't frame your final question, who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? You remember that? Cliff Clavin from Cheers? He made it to Jeopardy. He got, I remember that. He, and got he blew it all. Yeah, he had every single question. I don't think anyone else had any money. He had everything. He bet it all and didn't know the, the question, so he made something up. Technically, he wasn't wrong, but it wasn't what they were looking Not for. Not what they were looking for. <laughs> Somebody else suggested uh, Joker's Wild. Has won four games. If he wins his next game, he will win a new car. Oh, this is an outstanding clip. To at least eleven thousand two hundred fifty dollars. We'll soon find out. As from Hollywood, here's the game where knowledge is king and lady luck is queen. It's the Joker's Wild. Oh, the Joker's Wild. That was on prime time, I think, for a while. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's see. Jason confirmed supermarket sweep. Got another one. Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares was good. Um, it was very funny. Oh. You shouldn't have been watching that as a kid. If you watch it as a kid, Hollywood Squares really wasn't for kids. No, it wasn't. And I did watch it as a kid, and I seem to remember thinking, well, I don't really know what they're talking about right now, but... I like that person. I, th I think they're they're funny. And the audience is laughing, so therefore I will laugh along. Sandy, Brian, and Jason, thank you. The actor's name, Jay Peterman, is John O'Hurley. So yes. appreciate that very much. Thank you. Can can we do a Jim Perry tribute here? Yes. Last one, and Beth said, that's right, a shoulder of meat and also lean meat. She said, that's a good one. Sure, they got it. That's why it's good. <laughs> this is from <laughs> 1970s television, right? So the clips aren't necessarily strong. Beautiful seven-piece set of knives from the Henkel's four-star collection. Ooh, Henkel knives. Always a set of knives. Knives are not cheap. And a manicure set, Brett. Don't forget the manicure set. Oh, yeah, you don't want to have box cutters for your toenails. they're giving away a car. A Chevrolet Omni. Standard. Wow, it even comes with wheel covers. Outstanding. Thank you, Jim Perry. We have Christian O'Mell on the line. We have two minutes before we have must break for the news, but uh, we just wanted to quickly touch base with Christian O'Mell. 
on something here, Greg. Manitoba municipalities are losing some of the guarantees they have when it comes to provincial funding for transit and infrastructure. An omnibus bill before the legislature would eliminate a requirement for the province to fund at least 50% of municipal transit operating cost each year. The bill would also stop requiring the province to spend at least one percentage point of the provincial sales tax on local capital projects. Our own Christian O'Mell was down at City Hall and uh, was able to get reaction from the mayor of the city of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman. And Christian, what did the mayor have to say in response to this move by the government? Honestly, he didn't have a lot of clear, specific things to say. We've heard him a lot, even before this bill, saying we want clarity from the government. And he's still saying that. He wants more details. He said the word pain a lot in this scrum, saying there's going to be pain. We said that back on budget day, but again, couldn't really say what that really meant because he's waiting for more details from the provincial government. Now he tossed around some hypotheticals. He said, could this impact the road budget, other investments, uh, ongoing collective bargaining processes? He said possibly, but again, we're not sure yet. He did say, though, that this uh, funding possibly changes won't impact the transit safety measures that were introduced today that will still go ahead but for the most part still a lot of questions coming from winnipeg city hall to the legislature was this a surprise this move by the provincial government to the mayor did he admit or give any indication as to whether or not he had advance warning of this uh, decision and the and the conversation within this legislation no i don't think so i think he anticipated something like this just because uh, he referenced the fact that the province inherited a financial mess, so he knew there'd be some hard times. He said similar things back on the provincial budget day. So we're hearing the same messages, more or less, here today. Uh, nothing really too specific coming from the mayor. 680 CJOB, Global News reporter Christian Omel. Thank you so much, Christian. We appreciate Filling us in on that, it is coming up to 1.30. And after Global News at 1.30, we're going to talk about the teddy bears picnic. 1.34 on this now cloudy Friday afternoon in the city of Winnipeg. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you until 4 o'clock. Uh, we apologize for abruptly shifting gears uh, in our conversation about your favorite game shows and some of the classic uh, game shows that... We've watched over the years. Uh, have one here. Laugh out loud. Remember Bowling for Dollars in Winnipeg with Bob Washington. Of course, they did Bowling for Dollars all across America. And another one said, Remember Bowling for Dollars. My dad was on that show. I don't remember it, but my older brother and sister still bring it up all the time. Good laughs. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for all this. We really appreciate this and uh, the interaction that we experience with you on a daily basis. I know that uh, sometimes the real news gets in the way of us being able to do that, we wanted to take an opportunity today to do that. And we're going to shift gears one more time, Brett McGarry. Teddy Bears Picnic is this Sunday. And in studio with us to talk about it, we have Tanya Williams, who is Director of Marketing for Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba, and Ernie Shapira. Did I pronounce your name correctly, Ernie? Yeah, Shapira. Shapira, pardon me. No problem. Uh, Ernie Shapira is uh, one of the original volunteers. Work on, this is going on year 31. So Tanya and Ernie... Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for Our having us. Our pleasure to be here. This is one of the hallmark events of the spring calendar in Manitoba, and we'll get the jokes about the weather out of the way right off the bat here. Tanya, you've been around long enough, but Ernie, I'm going to defer to you and ask you, is 
rain a prerequisite for this event? Well, we've had... Snuggle up close to the microphone so we can hear you. We've had a few situations where we've had rain. Uh, We've had situations where uh, I'm in charge of food services. We could have served sushi on the fish we caught on the field. But but notwithstanding that, we've also been blessed with some wonderful weather. And we've had wonderful crowds. It it seems to not matter very much whether the weather is inclement or not. People come out because it's such a great event. How many people actually come out every year, Tanya? I've heard numbers that I won't repeat now. I'm going to go uh, straight to you. Uh, what what estimates uh, float around and how yeah. close do you figure you get to the real number? So usually we're pretty good at our estimates. Actually, we're now seasoned professionals, so we can figure out numbers pretty well. Um, anywhere between thirty to 70,000, I think they had one year yeah. was 70,000. Yeah, we had yeah. We had Mr. Dress Up one year on Remember the main that. stage, and that year we had wonderful weather. And we had over 70,000 people there. It was wow. amazing. So some of the uh, logistics in terms of getting to the park, obviously different than a regular Sunday stroll at a Assiniboine Park. Right. If we want to get there, what are some strategies that we can implement or ways that you've got organized to help us get to the park safely and There are so timely. many options. Yeah, there's so many options. You can bike there. Always great exercise. I'm sure your doctor would appreciate that. Um, you can take the transit. Uh, we have a shuttle that runs from 820 Taylor. So park your car, jump on a shuttle, make it easy, and don't worry about any headaches. So it's at Assiniboine Park. Is there a, a particular meeting spot, or is it just sort of the entire park? It's the entire park. We have 50 tents that have tons of educational opportunities for your bear and your child to have a really good time. Yeah, it's the center field where the Lyric is, uh, and you can access either from Portage Avenue across the bridge or you come in through the main gates and walk. walking in is normally a great exercise as well. Uh, parking is restricted in the park. There's not a lot of spots, but there's parking in the, in the uh, residential area, and people use that opportunity to get a nice walk, come into the center field where we have all the tents. And lots, uh, lots of, sunshine. of activities. Did you say five zero tents? Fifty tents. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. we have uh, everything from uh, the Worry Bear tent. We have the Doctor Goodberry Clinic, which is one of my personal favorites, presented by uh, Great West Life, and that's where we actually have volunteers from our hospital that come down, take the entire day off, and um, basically, you're, it's like your bear goes through the hospital. So there's a triage area where your bear gets checked out and figured out the story of what happened. And then they might go to the CAS clinic, they might go to an MRI, they might have an EEG and have electrodes put on their little bear's brain to see how uh, how much activity is going on. So if I've got a bear that maybe is a little worse for wear, is this an opportunity for my bear to totally. kind of get fixed up? Totally. You go into a surgical tent, they'll put sew on a button, they'll sew on the nose, they'll, they'll fix up, uh, give a bandage on the arm, you know, when the, the broken arm for the little bear and stuff like that, it's... it's the actual concept of the park, uh, of the picnic itself, was originally as an informational tool for the community so that when children had to go to the hospital to, to be admitted, they weren't af- afraid. So they go through this process with their animals and spares, it's whatever, and they go through a check-in, they get an examination they go through and they get x-rays, et cetera, et cetera, so that if and when they do, God forbid, have to go to the hospital, they're prepared and it's a, it's a wonderful experience for them uh, to start with. How many people were at that first picnic? I think the estimates were somewhere around about fourteen or 15,000. Really? It was really a strange scenario because 
it was the picnic evolved into two stages. The first stage was the picnic, which had about 15 or 20 tents and up to about an hour and a half before had no security, but we were able to get security people to come in and oversee the field. And it's grown ever since. It used to be spread a little further, but now with the park rejuvenation, uh, it's a little more restricted and less spread out than it used to be. But it's gone up in stages. And the second stage of the picnic used to be the telethon. And it was really a precursor the week before to let the community know that the picnic was going on as more of an information and make a donation and watch some entertainment. And it was really, I was, that's how I really got involved with the picnic. But it actually started on Friday evening around six o'clock and went nonstop until Sunday night at six o'clock. And it was broadcast through CBC to Northern Manitoba, uh, Saskatchewan, and Northwestern Ontario. And it was a, a wonderful success. We raised millions of dollars for the, the hospital and the foundation. And then operating costs became too expensive to do it on, uh, as a TV program. Right. And now we do it as a, as a public service in the park. There's no admission. It's a free picnic. So there's free access for anybody there. There's things that they can buy from the Dr. Goodbear tent, et cetera, et cetera. We have food where you can get pancake breakfast. You can get hot dogs, hamburgers, chips, uh, ice cream, et cetera, et cetera. You can buy uh, different items, et cetera, to support the hospital. And Tanya will tell you we have a new function this year where you can buy help buy a piece of equipment. That's a nice lead in, eh? He's good like that. He's really good. <laughs> Take Where did you find go. this guy? I know. He's, he's, Lurney's amazing, and he's also known for his strudel, but that's a whole other episode. Oh, strudel. Yeah, wow. it's very good. Uh, we have a Make a Difference tent this year where kids and their bears can come and figure out ways that they can help give back to the kids at the hospital. So one of the things we have is a massive board, and it ha- it's to raise money for a vital signs monitor. So you'll see some small squares and big squares. They range anywhere from $10 to $20. And you can help purchase a piece of equipment that will actually be delivered to the hospital within a couple weeks later. It's a free event. It's 50 tents. It's a big, this is a big uh, undertaking. What does it cost to put on this event? That's a great question. Um, We're lucky that we have a lot of great sponsors that come on board. Um, I don't exactly have the financial numbers in my head right now, but um, we're very lucky to have, especially volunteers like Ernie, a whole committee of actually uh, 20 of you guys. 20 plus. Yeah, that volunteer their time to go out to get, um, you know, ice cream bars from Dairy Queen and, um, you know, great food from Save On Foods that are donated. So we try to get as much donated and then the sponsors as well help out. So is this turned into a, a fundraiser? Is it revenue neutral? It's, is it is it know, giving back to the community? It's well, more, yeah, uh, it's a give back, but we do raise. I, I think I'm, I'm going by memory, but I think in 2016, I think we raised something like about 140 thousand uh, dollars from the picnic. So it's a combination of we have sponsors that sponsor the tents, and we have uh, numerous uh, companies in this city and they're actually fabulous that donate product or services uh, to the picnic so that there's not a cost related to it. Uh, and so we, and then we, a rotary uh, runs the food tent. So they charge for the pancake breakfast and the hot dogs and hamburgers. And they raised, I think it was like 16, 18, $20,000 mm-hmm. that goes to the, the hospital. So 
it it's really not designed as a fundraiser, but mm -hmm. it's not. We don't lose money. We actually make a few dollars, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to educate the community and the kids. Mm -hmm. And there's also going to be a, a shuttle, is that what I understand, from Taylor Avenue? Yeah, 820 Taylor Avenue. If you park your car there, there's a shuttle that runs about every 15 minutes, and it starts at uh, about 8 o'clock in the morning, and the last shuttle leaves the Assiniboine Park at 6. 820 Taylor, is that uh, is that by the Hydro Building? That is the Hydro Building. Oh, well, there Very we go. good, yeah. So Brent and I have got these... Headbands, very fashionable, fashionable headbands. Yeah. Are, are these are our bear ears? They're called bear ears. It's been a staple of picnic for years. It's the official souvenir of the teddy bears picnic, and they're sewn by um, oh, I want to say about at least three to four hundred people across Manitoba. Um, we have our fantastic sew for kids folks with the Children's Hospital Guild that volunteer their time to do that. Um, we have Girl Guides. We had the MTS retired wonderful volunteers that help out and sew as well. Yeah, the MTS yeah. Uh, retired retirees make those incredible heart pillows yes, over at St. Boniface Hospital for and, the and for ours as well. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's uh, for open heart surgery. It's mandatory to kind of have that thing, and and that operation is outstanding. Yeah. So, thank you for the bear ears. How many of these have you got made? Then we have over five thousand. Wow! And they sell for two dollars each. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like gonna, we're part of an elite club here. I guess you're going to have to go to my desk and dig out uh, a few loonies there to, to contribute to the cause. Why don't we take a pause? We'll take a look at the weather forecast as we head into the weekend. We'll talk more about Teddy Bear's Picnic. And you know what? If you've got some great memories of the Teddy's Bear, Teddy Bear's Picnic, we'd love to hear from you. 204-780-6868 by talk or text. Love to hear your memories of the Teddy Bear's Picnic. I read the Sunday forecast very quickly for our guests in studio. We're talking about the Teddy Bears Picnic. It's the 31st annual going this weekend at Assiniboine Park. Tanya Williams, Director of Marketing, Children's Hospital, Foundation of Manitoba. And our new friend, Ernie Shapira, is with us, one of the original volunteers. Although, Ernie, I think you told me off air that you really weren't involved the first year, but you've involved first, yeah. every year since. Every year since. I wanted to ask you about Dr. Goodbear. Is there, you know, you've got Buzz Boomer, you've got Mickey Moose, the Green Drop, uh, so many famous local, one. yeah, the Green yeah. Dropper, and he's like, who's the Green Drop? Oh. There's certain people, <laughs> if you go to Blue Bomber Games, you know the Green Drop. Nobody's Drop. as famous as Dr. Goodbear. Dr. Goodbear? Dr. Goodbear, if you ask any kid in the world who's Dr. Goodbear is, they'll know. They may not know Buzzer Boomer, but they will know Dr. Goodbear. You've been all over North America. You wear that hat with a lot of pride. I do wear it. You get former peggers coming up to you, don't you? I do. There's a lot of amazing how many transplants leave the city and they all recognize the bear, et cetera, et cetera. I could be in Florida. I could be in California. I'm in Denver, et cetera, et cetera, Toronto, Vancouver. Everybody recognizes. I know that bear. I, I used to go to the picnic sort of thing. So it's it's really a tradition. It's Similar to like Genie's Bakery and stuff like that. <laughs> or, ditch chips. You know, yeah. You know, you know, Salisbury's chocolate donuts and it's, it's, I mean, it's these, there's certain traditions that are born and bred here and they move international and people know about them. I just before you ask your next question, Brett, we had a question from a listener. Amanda is her name. She says, Is two and a half too young for the teddy bears picnic? Not at all. i Amanda, I first brought my daughter when she was one years old. We had just moved back to uh, Manitoba. And she loved it. She took her bear to all the different stations and uh, got the cast on the bear, got his teeth checked out, which she thought was hilarious. And she slept beautifully all the way home. <laughs> what did you sorry, got the, the bear's teeth checked? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Children's Dental World is actually on site. 
and you can go get your bear's teeth checked. Um, that year, my daughter got an X-ray of her bear's teeth and a little sticker that was, you know, beautiful mouth on on the bear. They put her on, and uh, it stayed on for years after, actually. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that relationship uh, to the picnic and also to the individuals that work at Children's Hospital. There's a there's a man I. I've, his name is slipping my mind right now, who has walked my boys oh, to surgery several yeah. times. And I saw him uh, the last time I was there uh, for the Tri-Hospital Lottery. And I said, you know, you're an institution around yes, he here. And I wanted to thank you for what you do. And he was just kind of overwhelmed that I would re- even remember who he is. How do I forget who you are? And so it's like people like that that make Children's Hospital what can be a really difficult time, uh, kind of a special time, and and less overwhelming for our kids. Now, speaking of worry, what is the Worry Bear Tent all about this year? The Worry Bear Tent is a new tent this year, and it's with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. And what it is is if your bear is having a, a bad day, you know, if they don't want to go to school, he doesn't want to play with his friend the alligator, you can bring the bear there and kind of have a, a chat to see how your emotions are and really talk about your feelings. And you can go from having a, a big cloud over your head, making it into a smaller cloud over your head so that things are more manageable. Ernie, you've been involved uh, for 30 years in this event. Why do you, like, why is it important to you that you continue well, to be a part of it? You know, there's there's a lot of volunteers, and this community is wonderful for volunteers. Mm, amen. Uh, we have, for this picnic, we have approximately 2,500 volunteers that come out to work the picnic, work the tents, work the the food, the food operations, et cetera, et cetera, do the setup, takedown type of thing. Uh, I'm involved because of my family involvement. My father was a doctor. I was, My mom was a, a nurse sort of thing. So he was a pediatrician involved with the hospital. Um, and most people that are involved with the hospital are because uh, and the picnic are involved because their kids were sick and, and had a, a stay at the hospital type of thing. And then, uh, well, I was... Even more so because I I, had, I was premature born, hard to believe with my size, but <laughs> I was six weeks early Same born. I, I ended up uh, swallowing a peanut when I was two and almost died, having tracheotomy sort of thing. So I used the, the hospital, you know, my appendix ruptured on the table. So I used the hospital a lot when I was young. And then my kids, we had problems with some of our children sort of thing and with the family. So I've been involved to give back. This community is wonderful for giving back. And there's, I guess the truth is, it's such a warm feeling you get from doing community service and giving back. And this foundation and this hospital and the people that work there and the people that volunteer there are so wonderful. It's a no-brainer. What time does the picnic start? Uh, actually, the doors open at 9, but technically if you want to come for the fantastic pancake breakfast, 8 in the morning. All right, the Teddy Bears picnic this Sunday, uh, Cinnabuena Park for the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. Our guest today, Tanya Williams, Director of Marketing for Children's Hospital Foundation, and Ernie Shapira, who has been volunteering with the picnic for 30 years. We're going to have a look at your cottage country forecast in a moment. 2.05, Friday afternoon. I don't know if our studio's ever been this jam-packed before. There are one, two, three, four, five, six... I'll go as far as to say handsome men in the studio. Wow, all thank you. At thank once. you, man. <laughs> FanQuest happening this weekend at the University of Winnipeg. It's at Riddell, Eckert, uh, Gramite Halls, and 
The kickoff event is tonight, the 40th anniversary Star Wars social at the Crescentwood Community Club. Uh, are you going to this, Brett McGarry? I just might have to, yeah. I just might have to. This is fantastic. Uh, this is really up your alley, Brett, so I'm going to stand back a, a little bit here and uh, marvel as you introduce our guests, who I am actually, as it turns out, kind of big fans of. Well, the guests that we have in studio are from Blame Society Films. And we have, and I, you'll have to forgive me because there are more people here than I was, realized were coming in, so I don't have everybody's full names. I have Matt Sloan and Aaron Yonda from Blame Society Films. Oh, and here's the, Greg wrote this other, the third name down. Adam, is it Karasik? Korolek. 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 I can't read. It's Korolek from now on. I've heard it butchered many times. That's new. Yeah. Sorry. I couldn't read the writing. It's Sorry, Greg. That's not the reading. That's the writing. Okay. Uh, so it's all my fault. So Adam Sorry, is from guys. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt and Aaron are from various parts of Wisconsin. But Madison is kind of home base. That's right. Is that still yep. the case? Mm-hmm. It is. Blame Society Films. Matt, we'll start with you. What is Blame Society Films? Uh, we are the creators of Chad Vader, which was a, which is an internet series on YouTube, um, and it kind of caused a big uh, sensation. And we have gone on to uh, make a new show called Beer and Board Games, which we will be doing live at the uh, FanQuest this weekend. That's right. You'll be at the King's Head Pub. Uh, that is going to be the evening uh, tomorrow night. And as far as Chad Vader goes, let me just, I want to, I'm pulling up a clip right now of this. I had the clips, I pulled them, and I, of course, I left them on my computer. So everything's a mess today. So I'm just going to wing this right now off of YouTube. This is Chad Vader, Day Shift Manager, the very first episode, which debuted, this was uploaded back in 2006. What is the meaning of this? The meaning of what? I ordered this task to be completed an hour ago. Yeah, you did. You have failed me for the last time. That's what you said the last time. I have been too forgiving in the past. Do not fail me again. Because that'll be the last time. Yes. No. Uh, I don't know. Continue stopping. <laughs> And I love this little, this is a nice touch with the Imperial March being sadly played. Uh, who is playing the guitar for that, by the way? Uh, that was my brother. My yeah. brother, Andrew, uh, did a lot of the music for the first season. And um, I think we were influenced a little bit like the, by the, uh, the British office and how they had that sad opening theme song, if you've ever seen that show. Oh, yes, you're right. And they, that, they, it's a, that was a nice contrast to the American theme song, which was kind of a happy yeah. sort of oh, thing. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Chad Vader, Day Shift Manager. What For those who are not familiar with uh, what you guys do, just maybe tell us a little bit what was going on in that video, Matt. Well, why don't we get you to explain what was happening? Uh, well, Chad Vader is Darth Vader's brother, and he is not as cool as Darth. In fact, he's the manager of a grocery store. And so he was trying to motivate one of his stock boy employees to do his job better, and he uh, wasn't able to exactly pull it off. Doesn't have the same level of confidence as Darth, unfortunately. He has lots of problems. Yeah. He has lots of things going on. He tries hard to channel He Darth tries, he tries a little too hard. Uh, too hard. Yeah. And, and he's in the full regalia, right? He has a lightsaber. He has powers that he doesn't really know how to use very well. 
Um, so he feels he, the force, just not very well. Right. He's he's a kind of a mess, but he's also he's lovable. He's an everyman. We can all see a bit of ourselves in Chad Vader. And it's led you to, like, now you are the Dark Lord of the Sith for all kinds of people in terms of uh, cartoons and video games. Uh, that is correct. I did the voice of Darth Vader for uh, the Force Unleashed video games. Um, I did... Uh, I currently do the Lego Star Wars series on uh, Disney XL, and um, I recently stepped in for Mr. Jones, James Earl Jones, um, for uh, Star Wars Rebels. That really? is fantastic. Yeah, I, really? I did two episodes of that. Yeah. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I know you did the Disneyland ride. Yeah, yeah, I did the... And the Soul Calibur 4? Soul Calibur 4, sure, yeah. yeah. And the Battlefront games. Yes, Battlefront, yeah. So how is that then going from you, you put this video together, I imagine just for kicks, you load it to YouTube and here we are years later and like this has become an actual thing where you are the voice of Darth Vader for all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 weird that we live in a world where that can ha happen in the way that it happened, you know, that you can just make something uh, as a goof. And suddenly all these people across the world are watching it and then you get a job out of it from You're, a multi-billion dollar corporation. It, yeah. In fact, we thought we would be shut down by Lucasfilm. We thought like, oh, they'll probably come after us and tell us to shut, shut it down. But, cease and desist. You and, know, let's give it a shot. And the exact opposite happened. They loved it. George Lucas gave us the 2007 Fan Film Award um, and said that he that he watched it and, and liked it. And mm -hmm. – um, uh, yeah, they they flew us out to you know meet some of them uh, a while back, and we got to, go, uh, to the we went to the Lucas Ranch, right. and I've been to the, to the ranch several times to record stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's fun. That has to be absolutely surreal. You're like the science fiction version of Arnell Panetta, the lead singer of Journey. That's just what I was thinking. <laughs> I bet you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt always thinks that though. So. That's, what, that's normal. Now, uh, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a little bit outside my comfort zone, but I do remember that there is a movie about these Star Wars fans that try to break into the into the Lucas Ranch or something like that. What, do you know Fan, that? Fanboys. Fanboys. That's the name of the movie. Okay. So you guys didn't even have to go to that extent. You just, <laughs> no. you know, you get they the open the door right up. up. That's fantastic. <laughs> so tomorrow you're going to be doing a live edition of uh, Beer and Borgate. Beer and board games, pardon me, at the King's Head. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what exactly is beer and board games? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, we drink lots of beer and we play a board game. Um, and it, it grew out of um, just, you know, sitting at home and playing board games and cracking jokes and then thinking like, what if we recorded this? What would happen? And then we did that. We uploaded it, and people were like, oh, this is really fun. We like watching you guys do this. And we we're like, okay, well, we don't really understand why you like watching us do this, but we're <laughs> going to keep doing it. And so now we've been doing it for like seven years. Seven. Something like that. Yeah. I, think that, I think it started right around the time when walkthrough, what are they called, walkthrough videos for video games? Yeah. Playthrough. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know the terminology. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, when those are starting to get popular, so basically it's like that with board games. Yeah. And yeah. we're drunk. And we're, yeah. So <laughs> rowdy things happen, and it's a little unexpected and, and you know, maybe a little edgy. And so. we have different guests on. We have our comedian friends come in, and so it's always a rotating cast of idiots who are uh, <laughs> playing games, and, and people like it. Well, if you Sounds like Saturday night at your house, Brett. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You, and there is usually some destruction of furniture involved in those situations as well. Oh, if that's you, happened. We've broken a few chairs. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> on each other or just in general? Just uh, smashing them? 
just with foolishness. Uh, one of our guests dressed up like a bee once, and we got in an argument. And there's nothing so funny as a man trying to argue with you while he's dressed like a large bee. And he stormed out in rage during the show. It was amazing. What that was the, our, fir- our first walkout on the show. What's the name of that video? Do you recall? Uh, it's the, the, uh, the beer and board games, the Honey Nut Cheerios Spelling Bee game. <laughs> mm. That was the game. It's actually a real game. And the argument happened during the dumbest game ever. Uh, and there was a man dressed like a bee. It was great. And then uh, later he claimed he went and hung out with a homeless man after the show. I don't know if that's true or not. What no. games you guys play in, in, in this series of videos? We, we play anything and everything. Um, we've played uh, we've played um, educational games for children to teach them safety tips. Those are a lot of fun. Oh, those are scary. They are so scary. Yeah. Um, there, there's nothing scarier than reading a card that—actually, we played a game, uh, I, I don't remember what it was called, um, like safety for kids or something, and all the cards basically just say, like, what do you do if a strange man comes up to you and does it, or what, what happens if you see a stranger doing this? And they're all just like, run. Run yeah, away. The answer is always scream and run away. Scream and run. Great. So the more obscure the board game, the better. Right. We played like religious board games. Uh, we played a game called Class Struggle, which is supposed to teach you about socialism. <laughs> and Black Progress. Uh, the Black Progress game, which is which is very uh, which is a. Uh, uh, very dated in, in its race relations. <laughs> um, we also uh, we are also one of the first uh, people on YouTube to play Cards Against Humanity back when no one knew what it was. Oh, that game is yeah. Oh, and that's your uh, on your if you go to the Blame Society YouTube mm-hmm. channel, that is the the main video that pops up. Cards that, Against Humanity. I see it's been viewed four hundred and thirty two thousand times. You guys have two hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know what? We need to pause and look at the forecast. But I wanted to ask you about the change because I know that YouTube's made some changes with their algorithms and their their how they monetize everything. I don't really understand how that works, so I want to quiz you guys about that. But we do need to check the forecast. We'll do that, and then we'll continue our chat with the guys from B- uh, Blame Society Films, and we're talking about FanQuest. They are going to be doing. Beer and board games live at the King's Head Pub tomorrow. I'm Brett. He is Greg. We're talking about the first ever FanQuest Con, which is new to our city. It was organized by a couple of guys. One of our friends, actually, Dan Vadabonker, who used to work here at this radio station. And the co-founder is Lyndon Radchenka. He is sliding into the chair, and he has brought with him the guys from Blame Society Films, Matt Sloan, Aaron Yonda, and Adam Korlick, and you may know Chad Vader, Day Shift Manager, brother of Darth Vader, and you may also recognize their other shows, Welcome to the Basement, and Beer and Board Games. And they're going to be doing Beer and Board Games live tomorrow night at the King's Head Pub. And uh, I guess, uh, Aaron, I wanted to ask you about YouTube, and I know we don't have time to get into everything here, but you can make a lot of money now doing YouTube stuff, right? Or or should I say you could make a lot of money, but things have changed now. Yeah, it's become a lot more narrow, like who's making the money on YouTube now. And um, it, you basically you have to, you have to um, do exactly what YouTube tells you to do, which is uh, very family-friendly friend, material, a certain length uh, they prefer, um, a certain number of times a week that you release it. It's all very, it's a lot more rigid than it used to be. Um, and it's a little bit harder for uh, the smaller creator to survive on YouTube's channel. And so people have been looking for other ways to support uh, their video making careers, which we do uh, through a website called Patreon.com, 
um, where our fans actually fund our show because YouTube revenue has pretty much gone south. It's about, you know, maybe 25% of what it used to be um, because, you know, we're not exactly making the content that YouTube wants. So, uh, yeah, our fans You mean getting drunk and uh, smashing chairs <laughs> is, is family friendly? Apparently not. I don't know why. We're, we're ahead of our time. It's what 25 years do. from now, it's going to be family, family friendly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, when The Simpsons aired, it was the most vulgar show on television. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, first, I remember watching yeah. that first episode. I was a teenager thinking, this is so cool. They're saying bad things. Bart said, damn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so shocking. Uh, so... Before they made these changes, were how did they hand out cash? Was it just X amount of views means X amount of dollars? Yeah, there was a certain rate um, depending on the time of year and how many uh, advertisers they would have at that time of year, and the you know a bunch of other factors. And actually, it's very mysterious because there's an algorithm that nobody really knows how it works. Even probably most of the people at YouTube. So it's uh, it, it's it's like a puzzle, and YouTube's always changing. And you have to change with them. And we finally reached the point where we're like, well, we don't want to change with you, YouTube, anymore. We're just going to have our fans support us, do our thing. We get to do exactly what we want. We don't have to worry about that. And Matt, uh, while you guys have been doing this now for 10 years, is this like your occupation? Is Blame Society Films? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, we, we have various uh, revenue streams, but but it's what mainly takes up my time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really uh, it's really great. I've, I've always wanted to be able to work for myself and and do creative things for a living and I've finally gotten to do that. And is these changes that YouTube is making is that going to jeopardize your ability to continue to do this stuff? Uh, I don't think so because we've been branching out into non-YouTube streams of income. And so and so I think that that I think that that is what YouTube content creators need to do if they want to keep doing it full time. Okay. Uh, doing things like Patreon and live streams and and uh, merchandise and things like that. Adam Korolik, we haven't had a whole lot of time to bring you into the chat yet here. But, so your involvement in Blame Society, you uh, were a character in one of the... Uh, yeah, uh, like I think it was season three of the show. At one point, Aaron posted about needing special effects help, and I had a friend who was good at that. So I was like, yeah, you're just going to do this. I just volunteered my friend to do that. And that formed for a Chad relationship. Vader. Yeah, for Chad Vader. And then that formed a relationship. And then from there, I just kept, you know, working on them. And every time they were like, we need crew. And I was like, I'll do it. And they're like, but you live in Chicago. It's 150 miles away. I'm like, I don't care. I'll get in the car. I'll do it. <laughs> so I just kept showing up. So they're like, okay, whatever. Just keep bringing them. And from there, it was like, hey, <laughs> we're going to do this show where we drink. And we need some guy to film it and go grab the beer. You want to do it? All right, I'm 150 miles away, but I'll do it. I don't I care. I think we actually said you're the beer wench. Yeah, that, I was. I was the beer wench, and I, I think I think that he, was meant to. Per- is. Still I know. Still I'm still is. there, and I think that was meant to perturb me. Well, like, you're you didn't the, bring any beer today. I will. It has to be in a fridge around me, and I'll bring it over. But um, yeah, no, I think that was meant to perturb me. But I was like, no, I'll do it. And I just kept coming, and seven years later, we're still doing that show. So you're like. The guy that that they're too scared to say we don't really want you around. Yeah, here, I think because I know where all the the, the skeletons oh, yeah. are buried. You mm-hmm. know, like I know too much. Um, <laughs> He's learned all the secrets during those drunken nights. Oh, the, the things show. I've learned. Yes. <laughs> so, Lyndon, we have a couple of minutes here. Uh, yeah. FanQuest Con. So, Blame Society Films. They're one part of this. Yeah. Where can people go first of all for more information online? So, more information is on uh, FanQuestCon.com. You can get your tickets there. You get all the information there. He's, Greg's trying to point. To oh, okay. He's, he's, he's saying talk into the mic. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, fanquestcon.com is the website. They're, what are the kickoff events that are happening tonight? So, tonight, that we have our 40th anniversary Star Wars social. As kind of everyone knows, Star Wars came up 40 years yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So, we're celebrating that. That starts at 8 p.m. tonight. It's going to go probably till about 1. We have some great social prizes. 
you come check it out. Uh, the other thing we have going on is the first chapter of D&D Improv Show, which is a very popular Winnipeg Fringe show. They kind of sell out every year all of their shows, and they've agreed to come do sort of a prequel series. Uh, they're doing four shows at FanQuest, two evenings, two daytimes. First one is tonight at 7 p.m. And uh, if you show up, there is it'll be done. There'll be more than ample time to go check out the social, too, so you can, you can do everything. Cool. And uh, Matt, by the way, have you ever done uh, beer and board games live? Like, is this something you guys now do sort of regularly? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we have probably about two live streams per month. And um, so we do it live online. Um, and we have people, you know, they, they purchase the link and they come and watch the show online. But we also do, we've done live events. We've done uh, VidCon uh, a couple times. We just did Nerdfighteria in Boston a couple of months ago. We did that in front of a live audience. Um, and we've done a couple other conventions. So we've done it. We've done it. We've done live streams and we've also done it live in front of a crowd. The first one, though, was uh, with Cards Against Humanity, the yeah. actual creators of the game. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Chicago. Yep. Yeah. They, they came down to me for once. And uh, <laughs> then we did. Yeah. Did it live. And they actually played with the creators of Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. The website, once again, is fanquestcon.com. And if you want to look these guys up on YouTube, Blame Society or Blame Society Films, they have 250,000 subscribers. I'm going to, it'll at least be one more after today because I'm going to hit the subscribe button as soon as we get off the air here. All and right. uh, so they're going to be at the King's Head Pub tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, doing beer and board games live. Matt Sloan. The voice of Darth Vader, Aaron Yonda, who is the, the, you're the guy who wears the suit in the Chad Vader videos. That's me, yep. And they're also, again, welcome to the basement, as well as beer and board games. And uh, Adam Korlick, as well, who is the uh, beer wench. I, played a stormtrooper. I also played a Stormtrooper once, you know. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> We're going to try and convince them to come up to the, uh, the social tonight, too, if they're... They got the energy. I think that's doable. Okay, Global News at 2.30 is up next. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. And just before we bring in Dr. Cyrus, I just want to give one more plug to FanQuestCon.com is the website, the first ever FanQuest being put on by one of our buddies, Dan Vadabonker, who used to work here, actually. Tons of stuff happening this weekend. The bulk of the events happening at the University of Winnipeg's Riddell and Eckhart Gramet Halls, but they do have their kickoff event tonight, that 40th anniversary Star Wars social at the Crescentwood Community Center. And we had Matt Sloan, Aaron Yonda, and Adam Korlick from Blame Society Films. They are going to be doing a live edition of Beer and Board Games at the King's Head Pub tomorrow evening, so that sounds cool. They did their Chad Vader day shift manager videos. They are hilarious, and I'm looking forward to watching some of the uh, the Beer and Board Games videos because uh, guys getting drunk and yelling at each other while they play obscure board games sounds like a, sounds like a, like a hoot. What could be unfunny about that? Well, I'm sure... I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to fall down a rabbit hole tonight, I suspect. So. I think you are, and I blame the guys for not getting anything done this morning because I remember watching the Chad Vader Day Shift Manager videos when they came out. The first one, I think, has 13 million views, yep. and I ended up watching about four episodes this morning <laughs> while I was supposed to be getting ready for the show. So, well, uh, research. I, I, yeah, yeah, it's research. That's right. I was actually working. Uh, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen joins us in studio now. And uh, Dr. Cyrus, I apologize for introducing you to the video of Donald Trump <laughs> shoving the <laughs> Prime Minister of uh, Dusko Markovic uh, of Montenegro. Uh, what was your first reaction oh, to seeing that, that was, video? That was funny. That was, it's, uh, it's quite something. It's quite, uh, I don't know how 
how to describe it. <laughs> well, then I'll just leave it at that. I won't lead you down any other paths or, or, or try to get you to comment. Uh, I just, I think it's, it might be the defining moment of uh, the first 130 days of Donald Trump's presidency. But we'll, we'll, we'll leave that alone. It certainly wasn't an intimate moment between the two. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. True. Very true. There Trying to it. segue into our topic of conversation here for the next half hour. It's uh that's a segue as uh, Greg is wont to do. He's very good at doing that. And the reason why he said the word intimate is because we found this article that we wanted to discuss with Dr. Cyrus. What counts as intimacy? Not everyone agrees. And I will before we really dive into the chat, Dr. Cyrus, what would you say counts as intimacy? Well, I mean, intimacy can be a, a you know like a euphemism in our culture for uh, for sex, and uh, so that's kind of one of the questions that people have sometimes, especially uh, you know in counseling, is kind of the difference or similarity between uh, you know sex and intimacy. Um, and I sometimes have to define kind of what I mean by intimacy for couples. Not that it's the right way; it's just good to have a definition. Um, and then, you know, sometimes one person in the relationship feels like sex is more a part of intimacy for them and the other person doesn't feel that. So that's kind of like when I think about defining intimacy, that's kind of the, the you know, the most prevalent or common uh, question that kind of comes up in sessions is kind of what's sex and what's intimacy. So where you're like, where you're not just having sex, but it's you're, you're mm-hmm. having, it's an intimate moment between two people who care about each other as opposed to like a... I met this person at the bar and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to go home and, and make bad decisions together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, sex can be part of intimacy and, uh, you know, and I think one of the things that is um, kind of, if you look at sex literature and stuff or, or uh, you know, professionals talking about uh, sex and therapy, uh, there's different kinds of sex, you could say. Um, one, uh, I've heard one form of sex, uh, referred to as more pornographic sex, uh, not necessarily, you know, putting it down, um, but saying that it's more about kind of how you look and, and kind of how, uh, you know, the feeling of it. And then there's more intimate sex, uh, which is kind of on topic for today, which would be more emotional or, uh, you know, connected and less about how people look or how, you know, the act feels itself. Do we sometimes replace a lack of intimacy with sex? I think so. I think that I see that in uh, relationships often where people are, um, you know, trying to keep a relationship going through sex. Um, you know, myself, they're, they're, they're connected. So sometimes, uh, you know, having sex uh, and working on a sexual relationship can be important in redeveloping uh, you know, other emotional intimacy or, or with other things. But, you know, on its own, uh, you know, if you're not um, seeing improvements in other areas, it's it's not just alone a replacement for it. And I think sometimes that happens in relationships. So, you know, set me straight here because uh, I get the idea <laughs> quite often that if you want to have the sex, a lot of times uh, that there is a lot of work that you have to do. In terms of creating that intimacy, it doesn't begin in the bedroom. It might begin in the kitchen. And I'm not talking about the, the physical interaction. I'm talking about, you know, setting the stage for for some intimate time. Uh, you know, intimacy takes a lot of forms, right? Yeah, a lot of work. 
that you said. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe I'm going about it all wrong. No, no, man. it just sounds it sounds like a little bit more like a you know what I more often hear from men. I'm not <laughs> trying to suggest it's a chore, Doctor Cyrus. There's things but, I have to do that are a chore before I get to the sex. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you found me up. No, I, I, there's more to it, right? It's okay, a, it's, yes. a, it's a multi-level uh, uh, sort of uh, commitment to one another as opposed to uh, just the one act. There, uh, yeah. there are lots, lots, of, uh, lots of things that need to be done along the pathway. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, the idea of having a sex drive kind of has a play a part to play in this. So some people will, uh, you know, think that if I, you know, if people don't have a sex drive, then they don't want to have sex. And there can be kind of a lot of confusion, uh, you know, around that. And, and that's where the work comes in. And so when, I, when you talk about the work, I often uh, in therapy talk about, um, you know, people who don't have a sex drive. Some people have like no sex drive. And, uh, you know, so then do they, should they have sex? And uh, I liken it to kind of a massage. I don't have a massage drive. Uh, I don't, if I think of the rest of my life, you know, never having a massage again, I don't really get that upset about it. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I'll never have a massage. That's fine. I mean, maybe a little bit sad, but not really. I maybe only had two or three in my life already. Uh, however, if I came home and every night my wife had a massage, or every other night, let's say, my wife had a massage table out with some candles lit and some fruit beside it or something, something nice to eat. And she warned me beforehand, so I didn't have something else in mind for the evening. I knew it was coming. I could probably have a lot of massages in my life. I, could, I think you could probably really get used to that. I could get used to having massages a lot. And that's a huge difference to think of the rest of my life never having a massage and being okay with that to all of a sudden having one every other night. And I think that's a little bit what it can be like for somebody who doesn't have a sex drive. Uh, and that's the work. You can't just go and... I'm not going to go and have a massage in a closet in a bathroom or you know in an airplane or something like that if I have no massage drive. It's got to be nice. I got to be warned. And uh, it has to be kind of, it has to feel good, you know, and I could then have a lot of massages. So we're, we're talking in euphemisms here, aren't we? <laughs> well, I'm Dr. talking about Cyrus. massages. I don't oh, know what you're okay, talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, when I, when I think about a, you know, an airplane, it's not necessarily the uh, most conducive place to a massage. But so. if you had a massage drive, you would have sex potentially. Uh, I don't know if it's illegal or not, but whatever, you know, you would have right. potentially if you had a strong enough drive. Uh, a massage in some uncomfortable place and potentially still enjoy it. But if you had no drive, you know, it's got to be warned. It's got to be nice. And that's, I think, what you're talking about with the work. And then it can be intimate. And I think that's one of the differences there between that intimate versus pornographic uh, sex. Now, as far as intimacy is concerned, though, if you take it from not a, uh, like a romantic relationship perspective, but let's say, for example, intimacy between friends, you know, for mm, yeah. because I think everybody's got we've got people that they would consider to be buddies, you know, work buddies. But maybe when you really break it down, you don't know a whole lot about that person. So would that be another sort of mm -hmm. version of intimacy? I think so. I think that you don't need to have sex to have intimacy. Um, and I think that um, in Western culture, this is what the research suggests, Western culture, men are bad at being intimate with other men. Um, that's something, but it's Western. In other cultures, men are more emotionally intimate with other men. Hmm. In Western culture, everybody wants to have relationships with women. Women want to have rela intimate relationships with women, like non-sexual I'm talking. And men want to have non-sexual uh, intimate relationships with women. 
Um, but when men in Western culture start becoming more emotionally intimate, they get uncomfortable and they're not very good at it. And uh, they, it's interesting. If you, put, uh, if you put them through and you make them, uh, not make them, if you, if you put two men together and you ask them intimate questions and kind of expect answers, they do become more intimate with each other emotionally. And, uh, and they actually feel better about their relationship. But put to the, on their own, without kind of intervention, uh, Western men have trouble with relationships with other men. They're, everybody can do it with women, but not with, uh, with men. So I'm not exactly sure why that is in our culture, why, but it's not a gender phenomenon, I don't think. I think it's a cultural phenomenon, and I think it's, it's, I think it's a little sad. So when we talk about this idea, because I'm curious now, when you talk about that uh, women crave intimate relationships with other women, men crave intimate non-sexual relationships yeah, this is with in other the non-sexual women. non-sexual realm, yes. yeah. Yet, you suggested there was a threshold to which men were comfortable with that. Is that right? Did, did I hear you correctly that, that once it gets to a certain point, men start to get uncomfortable with the idea with the intimate relationship with women or no men non-sexual like, relationships with women well men will uh, men generally will want to be emotionally intimate with women but uh, and men will avoid that with men but if you force the issue and you sit them down together and ask them to answer intimate questions like what's your worst memory or um, or, or less things like who would you like to have dinner with in the world? Um, and you work them through a bunch of questions, they will become more emotionally intimate with each other. But if so, they will get there if they're cued or prodded in Western culture. Men can do, and they want it. They just are scared of it. With they're scared to do it with other men. Okay, and so how realistic is it then for men to have intimate relationships with other women uh, or with women that don't become sexual? Oh, that's a difficult question. I think that I think that's where men often end up getting more isolated in Western culture than they do in other cultures. Because when you start, you know, when you get into a committed romantic relationship, uh, then you men get stuck because they have trouble having intimate relationships with other men because it's mm-hmm. Western culture, and it's a problem having emotionally intimate relationships with other women. So that's where men I often find, uh, and you see it like scattered through other research studies, where men uh, get kind of isolated and reliant on their wives or you know committed girlfriends emotionally and socially. And I don't think you see that as much in other cultures. You see it in the Western culture. And for example, one study that's not related to this but kind of speaks to it is men struggle more with divorce. I mean, nobody likes divorce. It's a horrible thing for everybody. But... Uh, men have a, a stronger negative emotional reaction after divorce. And I think, I think that's because they're so reliant on their wives for social, uh, you know, for everything social. So women kind of leave the relationship and they've got more people. Men kind of have to rebuild everything. Um, and uh, it's kind of more destructive that way for them. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is our guest. He is a psychologist with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen and Associates. The website is drcyrus.com. We are talking about intimacy and what counts as intimacy, and we will continue our chat after your forecast, which is up next. For the record, the uh, Prime Minister of Montenegro, Dusko Markovic, uh, says that uh, the shove from Trump was, quote, an inoffensive situation. I do not see it any other way. End quote. 
So there you go. Donald Trump's off the hook, at least from the perspective of the shove E. We're talking about intimacy with our good friend, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. He's here every Friday afternoon, 2.30 until 3. And Jeff Courier, we were discussing this, uh, Brett, we've discussed this idea of who your friends really are. And, you know, because you were talking about how men deal with divorce, and I know we had that discuss, discussion a few weeks ago mm-hmm. about how men get isolated, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Courier says, this is how you know a, a real friend. If your wife kicks you out mm. on a Friday night, mm-hmm. whose door could you knock on? And mm. would they welcome you with open arms for a night to two, maybe even a week mm-hmm. as a soft place to land? And that list for most men is probably fairly short. Yeah. I think it's a little bit unfortunate. Um, I think oftentimes men aren't so much calling on friends, but they're making friends at that point. They're asking for friendship uh, and you know, that's okay to ask for friendship and build friendship. But I think usually the list for men uh, relying on other men is quite short and it's usually connected through their wives. And so the list gets shorter, you know, yeah, for sure. As far as intimacy is concerned and the the article uh, on psychology today, what counts as intimacy? Not everyone agrees. The subject led to that guys, particularly in Western civilization, um, Mm -hmm. have a hard time being intimate. And I'm wondering... Is that because of of machismo or what we're sort of inherently taught that, you know, guys are supposed to be tough and guys don't cry and, you know, the the emotional stuff is for the girls? Oh, yeah, I think so. I remember going to India and I don't really know uh, exactly what this was about, but I was walking down the street in India and a guy came up to me and held my hand. And we walked for a little while and then he left. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, wow. and you walk around there and you see men holding hands and and giving hugs and, and uh, you know, in ways that are a bit different than how we do that. And, and so it's not necessarily, uh, it was a little uncomfortable for me, but I was trying to, I don't know, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't even a cultural thing. Maybe it was just a strange thing over there too. I I don't know. (laughs) Well, you you know, hockey fans were Mm -hmm. a little startled when the Soviet national team came over, the Red Army team came and and they would kiss each other after a goal, right? As part of their goal celebration. So there are definitely cultural differences as it pertains to the way men interact with men. I think so. And I think that machismo that you're talking about, I mean, the article talks about competitiveness uh, and you could talk about masculinity or hypermasculinity, and I think that uh, I think it ha- I think that has a really big role in uh, this. Although I have to say that there's cultures out there that have a lot of machismo, but then they end up somehow still making intimate intimate relationships with other men. Um, so I'm not quite sure how that works exactly. I wish I knew, but if I think about some other cultures that have a lot of machismo, you also do see closeness between men sometimes and brotherhood. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if they're completely opposites. I'm thinking of the Godfather. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, right, of the yeah. mafiosos. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, these are the, the men of men and they mm-hmm. are very affectionate with one yep. another, very open, yep. uh, if not intimate. I know our clock is a little bit different today. Have we, we got to get out of here, Brett? 30 seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we won't get around to the idea of intimacy as it pertains to radio, but maybe we can uh, <laughs> we can bring that up next week because, sure. uh, you know, the, this medium we, we find and, and hope is... Uh, something that people find very intimate. DrCyrus.com is the website. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is his name. He is a psychologist with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen and Associates. He visits us, visits us every Friday at 2.30. 
I don't know if this was in your news or not, Brett. I was listening. I don't think I heard that uh, news of exclusive bus lines canceling service from Selkirk to Winnipeg. No. Made it into your news at 3 o'clock. Uh, more on that throughout the afternoon from here, us here at 680 CJOB and Global Winnipeg. And the tent for Cirque du Soleil's Curios is uh, going up on Keniston at Sterling Lion. So if that's part of your commute today, you'll be noticing that giant tent going up. It's striped blue and yellow. Um, it's not from Ikea, but it is Ikea colors, and uh, you simply won't miss it. Looking forward to that kicking off next Friday. Yes, It'll that's be right. There, uh, throughout the month of June. Are you going on Friday? I am doing everything I can to rearrange my schedule to be there. Yes, of course. Uh, the baseball season is in mm. full effect in our house. So uh, as far as I know, we've got a home game that night. So we'll have to rearrange uh, the schedule. And uh, I don't know if I can. Can I miss one of my own kids' baseball games? Kids think, ruin everything. I know. I think it makes me a bad dad <laughs> if I do that. So, But we'll see. I'll negotiate with them. <laughs> Are you a pool guy? I do like to play Are pool. Are you a cueist? I used to be actually a, a half-decent cueist. Is yes. that the right terminology? Apparently that's what the Google says. Uh, let's see what Gary Marshall says. Gary Marshall joining us now to tell us about the English Billiards League. That was established in 1921, by the way, in conjunction with the World Billiards League. They are announcing that the third biannual running of the Vimy Ridge <laughs> Classic and America's Cup English Billiards Tournament uh, starts tomorrow. Thanks for taking some time with us, Gary. It's my pleasure. Now, are you a cueist yourself, Gary? Absolutely. Okay, so that's the right terminology? I won't tell you how many years. <laughs> now we have to ask. How many <laughs> years, Gary? Uh, 57. Wow, fantastic. So tell us about these uh, two events that are attracting not only local players, but from uh, abroad as well. This is our third tournament. Um, we honor the sport and our league, and we are veterans-related. So it's um, Army-Navy Air Force and Legion-backed. Uh, that was our original league back in 1921. So <clears throat> most of the local players, in fact, I think all of them for this tournament play in our league, which is a weekly uh, winter league. And internationally, we have uh, three of the top 10 players in the world and a few others. That, so we have seven international players who are some of the best in the world, including the current world champion. And what world champion in, in what? So like, Because when, when we talk about billiards, you know, there are all sorts of games, right? Snooker, eight ball, nine ball. Yes. So what, uh, what, which uh, game are we talking about here? English billiards is the kind of the, the, the grandfather of all the Q sports. Started uh, several hundred years ago and was the originator of snooker that most uh, Canadians know. And then, of course, laterally, eight ball, nine ball. But uh, English billiards is, there's another term you were, were considering the term cueist. There's another one. It's a purist play English billiards. So it's very, very popular in the UK and Asia. Asia, it's the second uh, most popular sport past uh, beyond cricket. Really? So very Holy Very popular, yes. Very popular. Um, so we have these players coming here, and, and we, we play matches against them. So we have uh, 32 people registered in the preliminary event, which is Saturday-Sunday. And starting Monday, we play the, the main event, which is a five-day tournament. And it runs um, 
mostly during the day. So it starts at 10 a.m. and runs until about 7 or 8 p.m., open to the public. Now, Gary, I'm noticing here that the prize money for this tournament is expressed in pounds. Is that purposeful? Uh, yes, because the um, the World Billiards is uh, uh, is is an English organization. So it's it's a world organization, but it's based in England, and so the payouts are in uh, pounds sterling. Eight thousand dollars, which makes it, according to your information here, the second richest tournament on the global English billiard sec- circuit. This is a big deal. Yes, it is, sir. Yep, Fantastic. Absolutely. So, Gary, just and I'm trying to wrap my head around this, uh, and forgive my ignorance. This is why we talk to people like you, though, who know what you're talking about. English billiards. How is it different from snooker, or are they the same? It's played with three balls, and if you and I were playing, we would each have a cue ball, and we have a common red ball, and there's various methods of scoring, and the object of the game is to either pot a ball or sink a ball, as you would know it. And alternatively, we can, to use a Canadian term, scratch off it, which is which is good. And some people are very good at that. And then we can also score by um, hitting first one ball and then the second ball. So it's three so, balls. Sorry, there's only three balls on the board in total. Correct. And on a 6 by 12 table. Those are hard tables to play on. I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've only done it once, and uh, we played it. I played a game of snooker, and I think we abandoned ship after two hours because <laughs> it was. It's really hard to play pool on the table that big, and it gets it gets tougher as we get older. But most of us play for the love of the game, and uh, most you know the players in our league are all uh, business people and employees, and some retirees. But uh, everybody, the common thread is everybody loves the game, and we have. Nine local teams that uh, share the camaraderie every Thursday night. Fantastic! So, where can people come down and, and witness this uh, event? That is, uh, event that is truly world class. Uh, it's at Army Navy Air Force uh, Annabets at thirty five eighty four Portage, which is north side of, sorry, south side of Portage, just west of Cavalier, and also at the John Osborne uh, Annabets Number One at uh, Empress and Ellis. All right, Gary, thank you so much. Gary Marshall is with the Winnipeg Veterans English Billiards League, which established in 1921, by the way. And so in conjunction with the World Billiards League, they are presenting a couple of tournaments. There's the third biannual running of the Vimy Ridge Classic, as well as the America's Cup English Billiards Tournament. So these are all going to be held starting tomorrow through June 2nd, and the uh, the second tournament, the America's Cup, has 8,000 pounds up for grabs. That makes it the second richest tournament on the global English billiards circuit. So that's all pretty cool. They've got uh, four people coming in from England, I believe, from the UK, two from India, a player from Australia. So you know, some real big shots as far as English billiards are concerned. I didn't know you were a master of the queue yourself. I'm not a master. But here's a, here's what happened. When I was 17, I turned eight. I got my birthday's in September, right? So all of my friends in high school were going out to the bars while we were still in high school and over sure. the summer. So I couldn't go to the bar. So the alternative was I actually spent a lot of time at right on queue at the Forks. And I, I, that was my weekend. Every weekend I'd go to write on cue, and I actually got kind of good at 8-ball. At um, 
and even then also at the University of Manitoba. Do you remember the club? I don't know if they... Oh, of course. I don't know if it's still there, if they ha- if they still have that arcade with the pool hall. I, I don't think it's still there, but I certainly re- remember no <laughs> enough people that spent a lot of time there. And uh, they had the 5 by 10 snooker table, so not quite as, as big as a, a true billiards table. But So I, I learned how to play snooker a little bit there, so... I, I used to be good at pool, and then uh, I turned 18 and, and didn't go to play so much. I'm pretty sure we've limited the alcoholic references this week. Yes. Alcohol-ick <laughs> references. Do you get better the more you drink? Uh, there's a, a threshold. There's a threshold? Yeah. There's it's, I start to get better, and then uh, eventually it, the, it's uh, like the boulder is being pushed down the hill as far as quality is concerned. I wonder if management would allow us for uh, that to be question of the day one day. Do you get better at pool the more you drink? Yes or no? <laughs> We're going to have a look at traffic and weather up next. I wonder how quickly they can change those promos. Because if I won that $50 million, I'm not here on Monday, man. <laughs> it's I just love McGarry. You. Yeah, it's just McGarry. <laughs> we have to make that scratching sound and... It's kind of an audio eraser there because uh, I love you. I love our listeners. But if 50 million was coming my way, Monday'd be a holiday for GMAC. Let's just put it that way. Same. The feeling is mutual. So if, I can assure you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. If you have tickets out there, uh, best of luck. I remember the first time they gave away the 50 million, I had a ticket. I don't always buy one. Mm-hmm. And I lied in bed and thought about what it'd be because they said it'd been sold in Manitoba and. You know, we no. wondered about what we might do with $50 million. And as it turns out, I grew up with the guy that won the $50 million. Neat. So, yeah, it's close as I'm ever going to get. I think uh, Kirby Fontaine took up all the good luck for everyone that lived in the West End. So, Well, you know what? Speaking of giving tickets away. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, we have tickets to Steve Earle and the Dukes. Two tickets. Tuesday, September 26th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. Tickets went on sale this morning at 10, but you can win free tickets right now. Today's question involves the song we're playing right now. Never come back from Copperhead Road. The question is, where is Copperhead Road? Where is the Copperhead Road of which Steve Earle sings? I think it runs off of Region Avenue. 204 780 No, the wrong one. No, that's not quite. Okay. 204-780-6868. Where is the Copperhead Road of which Steve Earle sings? 204-780-6868. Need you to call while Jeff Forte is answering those calls. That when that $50 million the first time they did that, that was a huge event. I remember sitting at Earl's on Main, actually. And I went out with some friends for drinks and the, everybody had tickets. I could hear people talking all around. Like my buddy sat down, slammed his ticket down and said, sorry guys, but this, this is coming to me. It's over. Yeah, it's mine. (laughs) And uh, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Exciting. And then of course I was listening to the morning wake up show here on CJOB. I think it was Chris Reed. Our friend Chris was hosting the show at the time. And he broke the news that the ticket had been sold in Manitoba. Oh, Oh my. Yeah. That was exciting stuff. Now it's just, Seems like old hat. I'd still be very happy to win 50 million bucks, though. So while we are giving away these prizes, we're going to pause and have a quick look at your forecast and then talk some sports. You guys, do, you guys doing business in here? You doing business in here? 
What? Are you guys doing business in oh. here? <laughs> Trying to Just complete about, a transaction? Yeah. I'll take I'll take one Amazon share, please. Perfect. <laughs> Pay the window, yes. Mr. Anderson. We'll take you your cash that, there. Sure. Yeah. No, it's our buddy Mike Grovner's uh, wedding social tour. Yeah, night, so. Mike Grovner's getting married to the lovely Allie. I don't know how he's pulling that one off, but you're, you're, good no for kidding. Him. You know yeah. they're doing all this investigation into Russia yeah. down in the United States. This right. is a bigger question, no Mark. Mm-hmm. Without doubt, uh, Hal Anderson in the studio. Uh, before sports at uh, 25 after the hour, Brett, you read a sponsor spot uh-huh. in record time. Are you the guy that does the lottery license numbers at the end of all those lottery commercials? <laughs> oh, lottery license, ISO, or whatever, yeah. 1425 or whatever. You could have pulled it off without <laughs> doubt. You did a great live read there, my friend. And it got us, it got Jeff Forche going, you know what that reminds me of? Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Hi, I'm Al Harrington, president and CEO of Al Harrington's Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Man Emporium and Warehouse. Thanks to a shipping error, I am now currently overstocked on Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Man, and I am passing the savings on to you! Attract customers to your business. Make a splash at your next presentation. Keep grandma company. Protect your crops. Confuse your neighbors. African American, hail a cab. Testify in church. Just raise the roof. You Whatever your wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man needs are. So come on down to Al Harrington's wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man emporium and warehouse. Route two in Weekapog. <laughs> uh, see dealer for details. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great week. I just didn't want to. You know, we were behind the eight ball, and I didn't want to take away time from Tristan Field Jones giving the sports cast. So I just kind of sped through the the sponsor. Well, I, tag. I applaud you, and uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing a little bit of Family Guy. Anytime we can sneak in those pop culture references, it uh, just makes it for an easier day. How? Oh, how's your week? My week's very good. Good. Um, yes, I'm trying to get a bunch of stuff done. I'm, I'm hoping at some point to, to get to the cottage. I don't know if that'll happen this weekend or not, but I'm trying to get things done here so I can, I know, yeah. You're doing you know, the old you, balancing you act, know I know. You work tomorrow yeah. and Sunday morning, right? Yes, right, yeah. Yeah, mm. I'll commute. I, I'll see. I'll commute. I don't, it's like forty-five minutes. It's not that bad, right? But uh, okay. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But hey, before I do anything, so lots coming up on Hal Anderson weekends tomorrow morning, seven to ten. Sunday, seven to ten. Winning Alien Covenant uh, passes, giving those away. Uh, just rattle off a few guests. Uh, uh, my weather expert buddy Bruce Johnson, Bob Irving's going to be on talking bombers because, of course, rookie camp wraps today, and then uh, main camp gets going on Sunday. So Bob's going to be on both days. Uh, I'll talk a little teddy bears picnic, a bunch of stuff. So I hope you tune in tomorrow and again on Sunday, 7 to 10. But let me say uh, congratulations to Mackling and McGarry. Uh, Now, I've I've been in radio over 30 years. And so my favorite uh, time of the year is twice a year, once in the fall, once in the spring when the (laughs) ratings come out. Because I just like breaking down the numbers. I like looking, why why, why am I number one with dogs and cats don't like me? (laughs) You know, all that all that kind of stuff. All those crazy questions uh, in radio ratings is kind of what we live or die by, right? So uh, I, I have been saying to you guys for a while, and I said, you guys are going to have a great ratings book, right? And I know you guys are, you wouldn't say it yourself, but let me just say that this uh, one to four time slot has not been this popular in almost four years. So congratulations on a great ratings book, guys. You're both looking down like I'm making you feel uncomfortable. I don't <laughs> care. You deserve recognition for this because you have a you have a great show. You're a couple of really likable guys. You have a lot of fun, and you uh, inform and entertain. So uh, congratulations. From a year ago, your ratings are up 
a whopping 40% among all listeners. So that's uh, th- that's incredible. So Thanks, congratulations. Al. Thank you, you guys I appreciate deserve that. It. Yeah. That's, uh, it means a lot coming from you. So uh, what can I say? Yeah, just keep doing it, man. Just keep having fun. <laughs> Your numbers aren't so doing. shabby yourself. Well, 15 It's harder on the weekends to, to break it down, you know. But, yeah, up 15%. I'm happy with that. Yeah, honestly, though, guys, you know, and I'm, I think you feel the same way. You know, ratings, it's a nice, it's kind of the way we, you know, get that pat on the back if we deserve it, right? Uh, so it's nice to get that. But honestly, I just love it when I'm on the street and people go, love listening to you, or I'm setting my alarm on the weekends now, or, you know, and the fact that sponsors jump on board and, you know, spend their hard-earned money on this station, on my show, and that's the stuff that really matters to me. It's that anecdotal stuff, you know, as opposed to ratings, but I'm a bit of a numbers geek when it comes to radio ratings. We always sat around waiting for the book to come in at 8 a.m., and you're (laughs) clicking refresh, refresh, refresh on the computer, you know, waiting to see what we had a good book or a bad. You can't get too wound up about the good ones, and you can't get too wound up about the bad ones. I I liken it to uh, when I used to serve tables. No question I was there for the money. I wasn't yeah. there for the minimum wage. Mm. But on the converse side, I was there to serve tables. I enjoyed doing it. Right. And the reward was the instant gratification of an indication uh, of a job well done sure. was the tip. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't expect it. And yeah. when they were really good, I would go back and thank them. Like, you sure? And uh, then I would thank them on behalf of my parents because it, it made university that much cheaper for right. them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, it's like we, we love. Listen, we do this because we love this, right? We're. We're not here for, uh, I mean, we're all trying to survive and live, sure, but we're here because we love doing this. And so yep. when we hear those those comments from people, whether it's on the street or, or over the phone or we get an email or, you know, and we like to hear the complaints too because I think it makes us better broadcasters if somebody, like I'll tell you, somebody sent me an email the other day and they said, hey, how man, what was going on with you this morning? You were umming and on all over the place. And I kind of went, yeah, you're right, I was, right? So, you know, but that's constructive criticism. That's a that relationship. You, right, that you try and go, yeah, I'm going to try and work on that for whatever reason. I was stumbling through that particular portion of the show. And uh, so, yeah, we like hearing the good and the bad. Makes us better. So, like, but was that, again, was that last Saturday morning after you slept for like two hours? Probably, yeah. <laughs> it was one of those days after doing Adler's show, yeah. Uh, so congratulations again, guys. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because I know you're not going to mention it, and I think you deserve the pat on the back. So. Thanks, Al. Yeah. Thank you, Hal. It really means a lot coming from you. So uh, what? Uh, how much time do you hope to spend at the lake this weekend? I don't think I'm going to get to the lake this weekend, okay. unfortunately. But I'm hoping maybe, you know, that's one of the nice things about working weekends is maybe I get up there Monday, too. I don't know. I'm hoping to get up there, though. It's driving me crazy, especially <laughs> when the weather's nice, you know? It looks nice for next it, week. Yeah. It right. really does. Yeah. First time I've seen 27 or 28 in mm-hmm. the long-term forecast this year, so... Yeah. Uh, maybe you should take next weekend off. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you could coordinate that. With, uh, yeah, there we a, go. I got a bit of a cough, cold coming on here, boss. <laughs> Al Anderson, weekends, 7 to 10, yep. Saturday and Sunday morning. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Hal. Appreciate it. 345 traffic, weather next. Before we forget, just ahead of Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham joining us to tee up the news, we just want to quickly congratulate Marusha Konowalchuk, who... Scored today's tickets for Steve Earle and the Dukes, Tuesday, September 26th, Burton Cummings Theatre. The question involved the song Copperhead Road. You can smell a whiskey burning down Copperhead Road. The question was, where is Copperhead Road? Where is the Copperhead Road of which Steve Earle sings? Answer, it's a road near Mountain City, Tennessee, which has since been renamed Copperhead Hollow Road 
due to people stealing the road signs because <laughs> because of the song was making it famous. Yeah. Oh yeah, self fulfilling prophecy. Way to so, go, Steve Earl. Congratulations, Marusha, Connor Walchuk, and welcome to Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham here to tell us what's going on on the news this afternoon into this evening. I can see Julie already looking at Greg funny. She's no, just waiting um, for whatever shot. No, no, no it's good. <laughs> it's actually a step up. A step up? It's an improvement. Oh, she's looking at his uh, teddy bear picnic uh, ears. Yeah, let me oh, just yeah. put I on. put them back on just for Yours you. Is... Those are my bear ears. Yeah. Did you guys it Instagram that? No, not yet. Looks good on you, Will Brett. you, or is it worthy of Instagram? It's very much know. worthy of Instagram. What right? do you think, Jules? Sure. I mean, they I both kind of match. I guess we can post anything on Instagram. That's true. Question, Richard. Uh, Julie, you can have a take on this as well, if you like. Do you think that Premier Pallister and Mayor Bowman follow one another on Instagram? No. And is that the extent of their relationship? No. Uh, the bridge is Scott Gillingham. That's why Scott Gillingham has such a critical position at City Hall. He's the one that will talk to Bowman. Hey, Brian, Pallister, you know, he'll go to Pallister and say, Bowman says this. And then then do the same thing. Why can't we all be just grownups and just talk? No, it's politics. Oh. So So there's no grownups in politics? Well, not... A whole lot. I always liken them when they're in the House or the legislature. Oh, it's, it's like kids in the sandbox sure just screaming is. at each other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very true. The reason I ask, I, I, was Mayor Bowman sideswiped by the announcement, the legislation, omnibus bill that was uh, announced yesterday? I would say a little bit. I think they knew it was coming simply because uh, they have been told that times are tight at the provincial government. And that uh, to look for not necessarily three-way partnerships with the federal government, even though a lot of the infrastructure deals federally are based on three-way partnerships. So I think the provincial government is just keeping their options open. They're absolutely doing that. So I, I understand the context of this, but you know, if you're looking for transit operating dollars and those types of things, you may not get the 50% funding from the provincial government anymore. Speaking of transit, we will talk to the acting head of transit, find out about their plan for safety. The Amalgamated Transit Union president, John Callahan, will also join us this afternoon. An exclusive interview with the mom of the crash victim of that spectacular crash on Highway 59. This is an well, amazing which one? story. Because there were two of them within the hours one, of one another. This is the one where uh, the piston ring, uh, a little, little car. Vehicle versus like a cement pumper truck. And the young woman is minor injuries in that crash. And it speaks to technology and how our, our vehicles are made now. Uh, you can stay within that collision zone. You have uh, airbags, your seatbelts. Wow. So Lorraine will join us just after the 4 o'clock news. And we'll also play Sizzle or Pop as we send you off to the Flatlanders Beer Festival. And I have a review so of Pirates of the Caribbean for you guys. Oh, nice. I thought it was Pirates of Penzance. And that's just after we no. talk with uh, Alan Cross on Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, that's tonight, isn't it? That yes. is tonight. Mm-hmm. Hey, Lots to do. On the subject of cars and the way that they, they take impacts, do you remember a number of years ago, a former colleague of ours, Will Wojtowicz, he was in an accident yeah. in his uh, Jetta, I believe. I think he had a, a big truck in front of him, and then he was hit from behind with a by a semi-truck. His entire car folded up like an accordion, accordion. and he yeah. walked away. Yeah. Un- Unbelievable. Not even a scratch. And I mean, when you look at technology, when you look at those little piston ring vehicles, those are those are meant for getting around the city and being energy and gas efficient because they're driving so much. 
it is remarkable that she survived this. Well, it's a great story, and Richard and Julie will keep you informed all the way from 4 until 7 on 680. Nice years, by the way, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jeff Forte and Master Control. Thank you, Greg Mackling. And thank you for listening to 680 CJOB. I'm Brett. He's Greg. This is Mackling. And McGarry, the news is next. Woo.